Now, everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. The force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power, too. Epic Star Wars The Force Awakens is back. This is Everything Old is New Again. I'm Douglas Viviani sitting here with the rather imaginative and novel David Cohen. Um, okay. <laughs> I wish I wish the listeners could have seen your face while you were saying I that. I love that that music, the epic, the, <laughs> the, the it's just like a um the orchestration behind what's going on, the the significance, the gravitas of this entire epic called Star Wars is enthralling to me. I mean, with the release of the seventh installment, which, of course, we all know is The Force Awakens, breaking all box office records and is basically now the box office champ at $2 billion and still going strong. It's time to examine this phenomenon. Right, because no one else has examined it. No, it's time that do somebody it. examines Star Wars. Well, listen, it defines what everything old is all is, is new about. Because uh, great entertainment of today is definitely based upon the past, the foundation of what's happened in the past. As I said before, maybe on the air or not, all of these forms of entertainment have a foundation now. Star Wars may have something that came before it that is like a, in its foundation, like maybe a nail, or it might be the entire concrete wall or walls that serve as the foundation or basement of the house called, or mansion really, called Star Wars. And I think we're going to experience that through the eyes of everything old is new again, which is totally, completely different than anything. I guarantee you, you will not hear what we say about Star Wars on any other show. I guarantee it. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, then I will pay for you to see this movie again. Wow. How do you like that? Is that a torture? I don't know. That's actually not torture. No. It's a reward. I think it's going to cost you a lot of money, though. No. Listen, <laughs> this started in 1977. What right? are we talking about? Everything Star old is new Wars. again. Oh, uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna. And someday, someone's gonna be doing a show about us. There's no doubt, and uh, and they'll be asking the Siskel and Ebert of the day, what was it like to listen to Everything Old is New Again every uh, every weekend? But before we get there, let's let's at least listen to Siskel and Ebert talk about the lines around the block that happened in '77. The word spread in the science fiction grapevine that this space movie was something special, and on the opening day. Even before the first show, there were lines around the block, and those lines went on and on and on until Star Wars became the top box office hit of all time. Now, before we get too sophisticated with our answers as to why the Star Wars films have been so successful, first of all, the films, all childlike good time at the movies, they have a strong appeal to the most avid filmgoers around now, young people. Now, that's, they, that, could re, that review right there was about the 77 first movie, which now they're calling The New Hope, and they're saying it's chapter... Four, right? The, the 1977 movie. But it was the first one it that was It was the released. first movie, let's be honest. Right. Um, they're talking about that. That, you could close your eyes and listen to that and think that they're, if they didn't know that they had two passed, these two had passed away, that they're talking about The Force Awakens, no? Uh, you live yes. in the city. Have you not seen lines for this movie? 
In the um, past, in the, the beginning, I have yet to see the movie. I'm embarrassed to say. But, but how about going past the theater? Have you seen the lines? I I haven't been out of the apartment in several months. Which <laughs> he can't I'm, just go with it. This poor guy. I'll have to talk to you about that off the air. But uh, but I imagine they're long. There yes, are no. lines. We've seen them all over the My place. My son saw it and he loved it because it's for the. It's he's now grabbing ownership. It's so smart with this movie the he's grabbing ownership of the new characters right. uh, telling this story and meanwhile us old farts are listening to and seeing because they're in the movie the old heroes that we're familiar with and so we've grown older they've grown older they're handing off the torch a little bit to the new characters but they're still there and so it's it's great family entertainment it's going to appeal or i'm not I'm no genius to say this to the grandfather down to the granddaughter, if you will, and everyone in between. And why is that? It, it, again, Alec, Alec, Alec Genius, Jen, hello. Guinness? Alec Guinness was in the original as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He'll tell you why. It's the same reason as today. I think a marvelous, healthy innocence. Yes. Um, great face, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang, bang, and people fall over and are dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it. That's, mm, that's yeah, all. Yeah. I mean, people are going to read too much into it. It's a simple, simple stuff for all ages. Now, you've seen the original. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Look, I, you know, you could tell by my sarcasm <laughs> in the show already that I, I think that it, they were great movies. There's no doubt about it. And I want to see the new one. I've just been lazy. But what I don't get, and we'll get into it later, I don't get the, the phenomenon that it's become. That part I don't totally and that's, get. I am, there's a hint to the answer to that question in this clip, which is the original Star Wars ad promoting the movie in 1977 before it became the phenomenon. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as Star Wars. The more you see it, that's where the fun begins. The better it gets. Too fast. Star Wars, rated PG. Now, uh, did you catch anything in there that I'm going to be talking about? Do you think? Right in the beginning, they talk about it's different than any adventure of the past. What What, what are they talking about? They're talking about the fact that this movie, they're trying to they're trying to bring the past in. They're trying to show you that you, back in '77 and even now, your your dad and your grandfather and grandmother saw serials. They saw old uh, they call them serials, old TV shows that were really on in the movie theater for a half hour, like Buck Rogers, like like uh, uh, Flash Gordon, that were just exactly the same kind of entertainment as this is. It has some smidgen of philosophy in it, but more or less it's meeting cultures and civilizations you don't understand that are different, and it's good versus evil. That's that's kind of the basis of it, and good eventually wins out. And we've kind of, I think, as, as a culture um, or human beings, root for that, for the underdog and for the, the, the I don't know, what would you say, the good guy to win. Uh, and I think that's as simple as that. Like they've said before, like Anna Guinness said, it's it's simple stuff for the ages. It's but there are a lot story. of movies where it's, you know, yay, good, boo, evil. Uh, it, but so why is this different? Because he introduces so many different cultures into one that you don't even know it. Listen to Alec Guinness talking about uh, what his character is based upon. George Lucas uh, suggested to me something of a samurai warrior, and something of a wise man, a kind of monk-like character. And I think that 
there have been not borrowings, obviously, but um, a, a suggestion from uh, Tolkien's books of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So now, if Alec Guinness was smart back in the day, and he's passed away now. Sir Alec God Guinness. bless him, yes. Uh, he could have done Everything Old is New Again, a version in the 70s, because he's talking about how in the 70s, the original Star Wars was based upon the old samurai movies and the old, uh, it was a book at the time, Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. So everything builds upon each other. So if you're built upon a foundation of entertainment and themes that people have loved in the past, how could you go wrong unless you're acting as bad and you go astray? But they're simply building upon these adventure stories, these myths that actually may uh, tap into something stronger that we'll talk about shortly, uh, maybe spiritual in some ways, or at the v at least uh, uh, hopeful, a hopeful point of view of the human condition. Uh, we'll be back to investigate that part of Star Wars, the entire genre. And everything old is new again. Now, when this came out, um, who'd you see it with? I think I saw it with my aunt. Really? Yes. You had a cool aunt. You say still, she's still around, right? She is. I yeah. remember you saying you you uh, admired her, and she was kind of in what way? You tell me. I mean, she was down to earth, and she took you to stuff that uh, others wouldn't. Uh... Yeah. Well, this was a different aunt, oh. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they were both cool. They were both cool. Uh, no, yeah, she would take me to to see stuff and uh, fun stuff like this. Like my parents wouldn't have taken me to see this. Yeah, think about that. I mean, that's, that's cool. I, and I, I was young when this came out. I couldn't go by myself. Myself. So yeah, I needed about fifteen or so, right? I needed somebody to. I think I was nine, but I think uh, oh. no, 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 definitely not nine. <laughs> but, but so she took me. She took me, and and she loved it. And I walked out thinking yeah, that was a great movie. That was a lot of fun. But now, but with, without knowing, of course. What the unbelievable phenomenon. Because you're not the only one. The common, here's the thing to me. There's a lot of stuff, but here's to me. The commonality of you going to the movie with an aunt. With there's a kind of, if you will, a generation gap, a wall, whatever, and being able to break down, especially as a kid, because there's that dynamic of the older person and the younger person, you're kind of feeling through life and you respect them, but you don't understand them, whatever, you're not in their world, you're in the same world as she is. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You're in the same playing field and both of you are experiencing this fun adventure together. Is that too pie in the sky? No. Uh, and and so you have experiences to get. Now you have a common out. You still remember 30 years later that you, who you went to see the movie with, and you remember that experience. So it had clearly an effect upon you and an, an indelible impression upon your mind. And if something does that, how could you not think that other people are going to have the same experience? And dress up as the the characters and show up at the movie theater three three weeks before it opens? Right, the football playoffs around I don't, the corner. Uh, You're going to dress up as a jet? Probably. <laughs> You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Chapter 4. Emperor Ming, rejoicing in the belief that Flash and his party have been destroyed, intercepts a radio message from Flash to his father, saying he has discovered Polaroid, an antidote for the death dust with which Ming is bombarding the Earth. Ming, enraged, sends Torch against the expedition with an army of mechanical men charged with explosives. And... For those of you that are still with us, that is the beginning scroll 
to 1936's Flash Gordon serial. This was something that was played before the movies. After the the you know the the Bugs Bunny or what have you, you would have a serial of let's say this is about eighteen to twenty minutes long, and then you'd go into your your movie for the day. It was like a short film, basically. Yes, right. and but it, it would be continuous. It would continue for fifteen to twenty installments long, and you'd see Flash Gordon, who at that time was Buster Crab, who was. A huge star. Sounds of the like day. a rapper, Buster Crab. <laughs> he was he bust a move, boy. He was he played Flash Gordon. He also played uh, Buck Rogers. Might be familiar to that to that character as well. And um, he played Flash Gordon in thirty six and a separate serial in thirty eight. Another serial in forty. And we're talking about Flash Gordon because because. We want to explore Star Wars, where it came from, and what is the phenomenon? Why are people so interested in this? I think it's a number of elements that are put into this story that are reminiscent back to the old serials of the day of, of the Flash Gordon type that your father and grandfather may have seen and grandmother may have seen in the movies and admired. And now they're seeing something come back that's reminiscent of their days of... Flash Gordon, and done so well as Star Wars that it appeals to the youth and it appeals to the older generations as well. So it's brilliantly built upon the foundation of the past that doesn't leave anyone out. So why is it a foundation? Why is it why so important? Because, <laughs> hello, is this on? <laughs> the reason why it's so important is um, it, or it, it doesn't forget anyone. Everyone is part of this phenomenon, and everyone pays a ticket, and that's why it's earning $2 billion. Right. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Now, let's le- read the scroll for uh, Star Wars, the first, the new hope. Dave? Oh, no, but we have a special guest, Yes, right? hit the button. Okay, hold Go. on. Let me hit the button, because we had this pre-recorded. It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships, striking from a hidden base, have won their first battle against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans for the... Second page, please. Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agent, Princess Leia races home from her starship with the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Now, doesn't that sound pretty much like the scroll from Flash Gordon? I don't know if it was read as well as the original 1936. That guy kind of, he I don't know, he wasn't worth the, the price of admission. But he, Oh, you mean this one was better? Yeah, no. The, 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 the 36 version was better? Yeah, by far. No, this the scroll reading. Yeah, by the guy that he didn't lose his page. Well, that you, you're going to have Please, to talk to our buddy about two. that. Who's editing that anyway? <laughs> point being that they did the same thing. They did the scroll. They did the scroll beginning in the movie, and now all of a sudden, Grandpa's looking at it and, and psychologically, he's like, "Holy smokes, this is Flash Gordon. This is it." So you already got a foundation there, ready to go. And for the new person, it's like, "What is this? I, have you seen anything that has a Flash uh, Gordon type of scroll like that besides Star Wars?" Not no. before Star Wars. No. So that is the first step. Now let me take a look. I want to show you that Flash Gordon and Star Wars have a lot of similarities. You had Ming the Merciless and Flash Gordon. If you take a look at the old, uh, uh, I guess call them newsreels, but the old serials, you've got Darth Vader, the all-powerful uh, villain. Both of them wearing black. Both of them uh, are merciless, if you will. You've got 
got three heroes in Flash Gordon. You got Flash. You got the girl Dale Arden. You got Doctor Zayas. Then in uh, in Star Wars, you've got Luke. You got Princess Leia and Han Solo. They're very similar. They also have uh, sword fights that they have in common uh, in both of these, left and right. You are unwise to lower your defenses. <laughs> Also, you've got uh, a Death Star in both. Check this out. Ming the Merciless dealing with a Death Star. Your his own. planet is rushing madly toward the Earth from which we came. A collision can mean only the destruction of both. There will be no collision. I control absolutely the movement of this planet. And I will destroy your Earth in my own way. That's Ming the Merciless. He might as well, if he was breathing heavy, he would be Darth Vader. He's got his own planet that he controls that's moving towards Earth that's going to destroy Earth in his own way. So you're that's saying, the Death Star. So Star Wars is ripping off Flash Gordon. Is, the, is that the argument you're making? It's derivative. It's Sounds like a direct ripoff. The Death Star? Come listen, on. Listen, I'm not. I'm laying it out there. I'm not, I'm not the judge and jury. I'm just telling you it has commonality, and the reason why it has commonality is because George Lucas is a smart dude. He saw the serials when he was a kid and he said you know what i want to go with this this stuff is enthralling people want it's like a uh it's 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 builds on the imagination in such a way of good versus evil that i have to get on board here i want everyone i want some form of entertainment that everyone on the planet wants to watch who doesn't want to watch sword fights and and an evil evil guy like ming the merciless where it's impossible to defeat him but all of a sudden this character this Luke Skywalker or uh, Flash Gordon comes along and defeats him with a little bit of common sense and some courage. Just saying. Just saying. All right. You also... <laughs> uh, you're on a roll. Keep going. You also have... The old movies that, if you ever saw the old World War II movies, they had these shootouts where you've got, you know, this in space you had, if you remember, the Millennium Falcon was shooting down the uh, sure. these these other ships, uh, what do they call them, TIE fighters. Right. You've, you've got John Wayne in, uh, in the what is it called, the Fighting Giants. Check it out. Fighting the Tigers. The Tigers, story of those brave volunteers who blaze a new path to glory. John Wayne is the leader of the Flying Tigers. Cocky, irresponsible, and both in love with Anna Lee. And that guy read it better than the last guy, too, by the way. Just saying. Bradford's not going to be happy with you, man. <laughs> but there, now, didn't that sound like a character right out of Star Wars, the John Wayne character? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Han, Solo, uh, Han Solo, right? Yeah. And, uh,. You know what? Let me follow. I'm going to go with that for a moment. Uh, listen to this clip. This is John Wayne getting out of his plane after a fight in the air with a, a dogfight with all these Japanese planes. There are holes in his plane, and this is what he has to say about it. Look, Captain Jim. Look, wham, wham. Termites. Termites. It's just, it's just termites. It's, it is what it is. Han Solo-ish. Yeah, courageous. Very, the attitude is there. Yes. Yeah. And now also, if you take a look at those movies, they've got the same thing. You've got these bombardiers and they're shooting at, you know, at the, at the Japanese, let's say, the same exact way that they shoot at the at the tie fighters in the Millennium Falcon in the original Star, Star it's plagiarism. Wars. It's the copyright it's, infringement. It's simply derivative. It's it's using a a formula that works. And again, to see a fight like that, that is excitement galore. Uh you can't tell me that that people didn't love uh Watching that scene where you're shooting down the uh, the Tie Fighters was that something you and your aunt? Yeah, were, it was uh, very seen? exciting. Yes, you weren't going anywhere. Listen, when you when we come well, back, I, I don't want you to go anywhere. 
Say again? I had to go to the bathroom while that was happening. You said I wasn't going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Were you sitting in the seat seeing that? I mean, and then, the, you know, they're, they're in space doing it and the explosions. Remember, the special effects was the first time those special effects were used like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Also, it was, I had to hold it. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, yeah oh, I see. I know yeah. what you said there. But uh, it, the, <laughs> the point being is that, it, yes, it was derivative, but it was derivative for a reason. But he, he infused uh, something brand new to the proceedings, and that was the force. And the question then is, and we'll, we'll leave you this for a moment, is what is the force? Where, where is that coming from? That's something you didn't see in, uh, in Flash Gordon at all or any of these serials or any of the science fictions before. And remember, this came out before the first Star Trek movie, but after Star Trek itself. Um, but there was, no, um, there was no really discussion of the force or any kind of spirituality at all in any sci-fi movie to date, and that was something. What about new. the Schwartz? The Schwartz was oh, was that, that spaceballs? Spaceballs was after. That's correct. Uh, okay, may the right, Schwartz be with you. I always uh, forget which came first. <laughs> so maybe there's a bit of spirituality that he tapped into uh, that made this very successful as well. When we come back. I'm going to talk to you about Doctor Smith, and was he the father of Star Wars for real? Huh? I bet you agree with me when I'm coming back. Everything all good. Hey, Charlie, why the arm in the sling? Yeah, I walked straight into that busted street sign in front of Frank's Automat. Well, you must have been really sore at him. You said it, pal. I said, say, what's a big idea making a fella trip out there? I was going to sock him right in a kisser. He's all wet. Why, you ought to sue him, Charlie. I have half a mind to do just that. But where am I going to get that kind of dough? Say, I know a fella just got me out of a big jam, and he didn't break the bank. You don't say. Yeah, the law office of Douglas Viviani. The law office of Douglas Viviani? That's right, the law office of Douglas Viviani. Viviani. That's what I said, Viviani. He a straight shooter? He's a cat's meow. He's on the up and up? Doug's ace is with me. That's so? He's a bee's bees. Well, that's just swell. You have his number? You can call him at 631-681-1910 or email him at vivianilaw.com. Wait, what, what was that last part? What, email? Yeah, what's email? Vivianilaw.com. Now, back to America's entertainment pop culture talk show, Everything Old is New Again, with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Get away. Oh, please, please, I'll do anything you want. Only let me go. Do something, you fool. Don't just stand there. I am doing something. I'm proving the foundation of Star Wars rests with you, you ninny. That would be me talking to the uh, rather... Exib- ex- what would you say? He's, a, he's like an exhibitionist, uh, Dr. Smith. Yeah, just make it clear you're not talking to, to me. <laughs> no, I'm talking to that uh, character that was talking back to me right there, do something in any. I actually met him once at a convention. He was uh, a lot of fun, but he had a huge ego, and he loved what he did on, on, on you know, Lost, Lost in, in space. space. And so when I came up to him, uh, and he was very good-natured, and I had it ready to get an autograph. I put the picture in front of him, and I said, do me a favor, sign this, you ninny. And <laughs> I, called really? I called him a ninny. Did, he looked up, reaction? and he just smiled, and, he, and he, he wrote down on the thing, you ninny, and he signed it. Wow. Uh, he was really a cool—I don't know why. I, I still—you hear my old shows, our old shows on—my uh, old comments on our old shows of Dr. Smith. I don't know what the fascination is, but guess who else had a fascination with Dr. Smith? No one. George Lucas. You cannot tell me that CP3O is not the same exact personality as Dr. Smith. 
Though with you around, I never feel entirely secure. How dare you? Go switch off. How dare you? As for you, you jabbering Judas, henceforth our friendship is at an end. Just you wait, you deplorable dummy. Listen to that guy. Am I wrong? It's the same exact. He even says the same words almost. Yeah, I, I never made that connection before. There it is. So, but, see, but but Doctor Smith was that way to everyone. But Doctor Smith was, was just just to the other robot. True, but Doctor Smith, in deference to Doctor Smith, was first. He was in a sci-fi genre, and he was the only character, and he developed this character to be like uh, wimpy and and kind of afraid of stuff as he went through his adventure with all the characters, the Robinsons. So uh, C-3PO, who, by the way, is one of two characters that will be in every single Star Wars movie, all the nine that they're making all together. They're just made the seventh one, obviously, right? There's two more coming. Right. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and not only is it C-3PO, who will be the other character, the, the smaller robot? R2-D2. R2-D2 is going to also be in all nine. And the reason is they're the foundation. They are, are Everything old is new again. The older folks can... Appeal, they can appeal to the people that saw the original movies in the 70s. You've got the other three that came back in the 90s, and now the, the group now that's going to come forward. There's commonality. So you wonder what the why the series is so popular and a phenomenon. Again, everything old is new again. You're able to see your old characters come to life again, and people love that. And the new people are exploring these characters for the first time. No, I, I agree. And finally, I'll, leave, I'll rest on again, this. Again, you're yelling. What are you yelling about? <laughs> I, I understand you're passionate I'm trying about to, this. There's some lady. Did you hear that? I don't know if you can hear it, but there's an announcement here in the airport. In the airport, yeah. Yeah. And where we're located. Yes, a little distracting. So uh, that being the case, Doctor Smith is the foundation, at least, of CP3O, which is one of the foundations of Star Wars. Without same, there'd be no Star Wars as it is, as it exists to this day. Therefore, Doctor Smith is the father. Some of the gene pool came from Dr. Smith for Star Wars. I rest my case. What do you say? Uh, I say it's not much of a case. Really? How, what, do you think, you think George Lucas sat there and saw Dr. Smith and said, I'm, I'm going to create a character based on Dr. He's Smith? He's influenced by this stuff. He's How do you know? Is smart. It, did he ever say that he was? He's definitely influenced by it. He would always <laughs> say the same words, number you one. sound like Donald what, Trump. What about, what about Mr. You uh, no proof, uh, but you just keep saying it, and it'll become true. Correct. Ming the Merciless has got a world going towards Earth. Same thing that happened on the, with the Death Star. Come I'm, on, I'm with you on your other connections. I'm totally with you there. The Buck Rogers thing, but the, 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 the Dr. Smith right. is a stretch. Speaking of Buck Rogers, I have a very unique clip, which is pretty cool. You got Gil Garrod, Jill Garrod in 1979, Buck Rogers. He's now in a scene with the original Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers from the, th in the 30s and 40s. Buster Crab himself. Take two seconds. Check it out. Hey, nice double teaming over there. Whoever you are. Gordon's the name, thanks. We met Gordon? I don't think so, Captain. We're from different times. Gordon, where'd you learn to shoot like that? I've been doing that sort of thing since before you were born, Captain. You think so? Young man, I know so. Pretty cool. Um, you know, like, think about, I well, just think but, about his but, scene there. But, but said, I mean, people, yeah. are, they don't know what they're listening to. So. That was, I just introduced it. I did say it before. I said that was Buck Rogers. So maybe I wasn't listening. Yeah, that was Jill, Gil Gerard, Gerard right. as the original Buck Rogers in the 79. Right. And he's in space, and he's uh, all of a sudden this fighter comes along in a ship, and it's Flash Gordon himself. 
Buck Rogers, uh, he played Buck Rogers as well, Buster Crab. So there's a crossover there. And think 40 years later, Buck Rogers, again, Buster Crab, the actor, is on a show that's derivative of his original serial from the 1930s. And he's talking about making tongue in cheek references to exactly. It, to you know it. what? Let's right. listen to the original. Let's see if you can, maybe you can catch up. This assuming way. that you can operate a plane from there the ground here? at yeah. such a distance, mind you, by means of radio. That's correct, Rogers. Well, then, sir, why don't you send up such a ship as a decoy? While Kane's patrol is following it, I can slip through in a spaceship and get help from Saturn. We can't afford to try it. It seems to me you can't afford not to try it, sir. That was Buck Rogers, 1939, played by Buster Crab. Right. So in the clip before, it was Gil Gerard as Buck Rogers, and the old guy next to him was the original Buster Crab, original Buck Rogers. And he called him Colonel Gordon. So he was Flash Gordon. He was playing Flash Gordon. Right. Uh, I don't know. I just thought- oh, No, that <laughs> was interesting. It just, I didn't know if the audience listening would have followed you. Uh, you think the audience is, is more or less uh, like this character? This is what I think. You're, we're down to this now. I think this is what you think the audience is like. So dying here. Just <laughs> relax. I'm not in trouble yet. What yet? Monsters out there leaking in here, all sinking and no power? When are you so thinking we say in trouble? None other than Jar Jar Binks himself. No, I think you sounded like Jar Jar Binks. That was the problem, <laughs> and everyone had trouble following you. But. Where did that character come from? Now, let me tell you, that Jar Jar Binks is based upon nothing in the past. Was you couldn't it, find any reference? No. Was it successful? No. People hated that right. character. Yeah, he was like the least liked character. That's the one time George Lucas took a, he took a chance to create his own character without any derivative nature whatsoever, and he fell on his face. What do you think of that? I, again, you're you making these it. statements. I don't, I mean, <laughs> well, let me R2-D2 and C-3PO were, had to be based on something, but, but I don't know if it's necessarily Dr. Smith. Well, let me put it this way. I would say this. Jar Jar Binks was his attempt to bring in the children into this scenario. Someone under the age of, let's say, 12. The reboot. And that was in the reboot. And the first movie was about a kid, you know, Darth Vader as a kid, kid star. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. Because the grandfather, the son, none of us can relate to that kid flying a plane, this transport, whatever it was, this, this, this speeder and everything. He has these wonderful – it's not a person that we can relate to at all. If you can't relate to the character, even if it's a Dr. Smith, if you're a coward kind of a guy or straight out, you know, some of us would be like that. You can relate to him. That character, that Anakin Skywalker, is played by that little boy who did it as good as he could do. But I'm just saying the character was not likable because no one could relate at all, just like Jar Jar Binks. No one knows – a character like a Jar Jar Binks could be alien, but you could relate to the, these characters. That character you cannot relate to at all. Right. Right. Okay. That was a bad imitation of Dr. Smith being afraid, this Jar Jar Binks. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and that just shows you some of the, the, the beauty of uh, um, Jonathan Harris, who played uh, Dr. Smith and how he pulled it off. Anyway, we'll get back to the serious nature of the philosophy of Star Wars. And when we return on Everything Old is New Again... So you don't think Buck Rogers has any, anything at all to do with, uh, with, with Star Wars, but possibly and probably uh, the serial of uh, uh, Flash Gordon. What do you think? No, I think you, the argument you made about Flash Gordon, yes, that I, I could see the, the similarities. Yes. Right. The Buck Rogers is totally different. It's just the same actor. That's really I think the Buck Rogers, well, it, yeah, it's kind of the same thing, but the, the Buck Rogers that they made in the 70s was... 
a direct result of... Now, you saw that. What would you think of that? The, but, <laughs> it was a direct result of Star Wars, right? Yes. They wanted to capitalize on Star Wars. That yeah, and it was uh, like a, it was Battlestar Galactica was the same thing. Right. They must have the right, same right, the right. same little ships. Yeah. Different story, of course, but they loved those battles, you know, with the little ships yes. battling each other with the lasers and everything else. Um, but, so... Yeah, but uh, Buck Rogers, 25th century, whatever that was. But those serials, though, were something very unique. You don't have anything like that now. I mean, TV shows you have like that. But think of going to the movies and before your movie, before seeing The Godfather, before seeing, you know, even, you know, whatever, Star Wars uh, now, you see a little short uh, and it's great. And you can't wait to go see the next one. And people wanted to see that more than they wanted to see the, the actual it's movie. Like, but it's like today with binge watching on TV, right? Every TV show now is like a serial, except you don't have to wait to... To go to the theater to see it every month. That's actually a pretty good point. We should do a show on that. I can't believe you actually had a pretty good point. A little taken aback here by that. Write it down. What was that point again? (laughs) (laughs) That Jar Jar Binks was responsible for, uh, I don't know, Breaking Bad. He's the grandfather. Breaking Bad. Jar Jar Binks is the father of the destruction of the foundation. Uh, (laughs) We've finally come back, uh, and we're going to be successful with $2 billion of this force awakens we'll be back talking about why what's that all about this is everything old is new again america's entertainment pop culture talk show with douglas viviani and david cohen Listen to the gravitas of that theme. It's called the Force. That's uh, the Star War part of the Star Wars theme uh, created by Mr. Williams himself, uh, and it is um, a presentation of what is the sanity of this whole thing. What is the foundation? What is the Force? What is the philosophy of Star Wars? And you're listening to uh, everything old is new again. We're going to dive into uh, the more sanity than talking about Doctor Smith and, and what we just did a few minutes ago. And let's. Uh, pull up or roll up our sleeves and see, is there something beyond these um, shoot-em-outs and these sword fights that are of interest uh, and that is bringing in all these people to the movie? Yeah, something had to create that phenomenon. It's not can't just be all special effects and good versus evil. So right, what is look it? at that Buck Rogers TV show. Look at that, uh, you know, a lot of movies came after Star Wars with all the, you know, derivative in nature, you know, Battlestar Galactus we talked about, all this. Just, just didn't work. Didn't right. really make it make a go of it. And why not? Um, George Lucas does admit that Joseph Campbell, who is uh, a gentleman that created a, um, a work called The Hero of a Thousand Faces, and he's the inspiration of the Force. And uh, who's Joseph Campbell? I don't know if anybody's out there ever heard of this, this fellow, The Power of Myth. Have you ever heard of that? No. Um, he uh, is a person that take a look at all of the mythology. What's mythology? The stories that different cultures create to exemplify and help a child growing up into a maturity and teach morality of the society to this child. If you does that make sense? Yes. So what he uh, yeah. did, he want to hear more? Yeah. <laughs> he looked at 
cultures from Egypt until now and looked at all of the mythology, the stories that were told to the youth in the coming of age of different societies. And there are and, and societies that never knew each other, never crossed lines. China, people in China, let's say, never knew anybody in Europe back in, in the day, right? In, in Before even, let's say, a th- year 1,000 or even later. Um, so how is it possible that civilizations that grew up independently of each other all had a mythological story that had a stories, plural, that have a hero in them, that have a coming of age in them and have the basic same tenets of morality as to how you, a human being should live a good life and how one grows up and learns what is good and what is bad and how to behave. And by the way, who are they as a person? Doesn't that also, what I've just said, describe what you see as uh, Luke Skywalker as he's growing through the three movies that he was in as a character, learning the Force? What is the Force as a limited definition as it was in those, those series? And then how he is, becomes a master of the Force and a, and a uh, product of, of good versus evil and, and, in fact, is able to overcome his destiny, which is clear. His destiny was to go to the dark side. If he, when he's in that cave in The Empire Strikes Back and he's training with Yoda, if you remember this, and he uses the sword to, um, to defeat, if you will, or strike at this uh, Darth Vader image, it, the head comes off, it opens up, the mask of Darth Vader opens up, and his face is in there. That's imagery telling you that his destiny is to go to the dark side just like his dad did. And that will, I'm not going to give it away, but if you've seen the new movie, that makes sense as to what's happening in his family in the new movie as well. So the, the point being is um, they're saying, uh, Joseph Campbell's saying, this mythology of changing your destiny or finding out what is your destiny is something that's within all of us as a human being. You don't necessarily need these stories, but these stories affirm your inner voice. Does that make sense? Yes. I know it's very philosophical. Let's listen to George Lucas talk about Joseph Campbell for a moment. About 10 years ago, I set out to write a children's film. I had an idea of doing a modern fairy tale. I stumbled across a hero with a thousand faces. It was a great gift and a very important moment. If There's a wonderful life force that comes through, a wit and charm when Joe speaks, that as wonderful as the books are, don't capture the man. Now, of course, that was in 1987 he was talking about that. Um, And he created Star Wars. He wrote Star Wars, of course. But while he was doing that and thereafter, he became aware of Joseph Campbell's works and he modified his script to include some of these uh, universal themes into the story. And that's why I think, because of the philosophy, the coming of age, finding out who you are and what is your destiny, and if it's a bad destiny, that you have free will to change that destiny for the good, is a universal story that appeals to every generation of every society across the board. And that's why this is so successful. So you think that's what differentiated? Absolutely. Star Wars when it well <laughs> could, Flash Gordon. I'm just I'm else. just trying to get three words in, in this segment. So you're, you think? <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. Yes, of course, sort of. So uh, <laughs> what you're trying to say is that it's it's that last part that was added to the script, that destiny that to try you know trying to find out who you are. That's what put this movie over the top to make it this incredible phenomenon. 
wasn't so much the action sh- scenes, although that had a lot to do with it. The characters were interesting. Story was interesting. But it was that, that spirituality, that, that universal theme across all different cultures. Right? See, I was listening to you. Uh, w- with all the different, you know, the, the commonality of mythology across different cultures, that's what plugged into to the, to our culture today and made it such a big hit. 100%. And no, no one other than uh, Joseph Campbell himself, I think, agrees with me. Does a movie like Star Wars fill some of that need for the spiritual adventure for the hero? Oh, it's perfect. It does the, the cycle perfectly. It's not simple morality play. It has to do with the powers of life and their inflection through the action of man. Does that make sense? We should put that into our show. Like, our show should have some kind of, like, force. You know what I mean? That, that Some story. Yes, we'll work on that. But our our force is called everything old is new again. We're we're that's the force showing yes that right. the, we're basing everything upon something from the past, as we've talked right. about in the last couple of shows. Let's just take a look at Star Wars as a modern myth. Well, I think that George uh, Lucas was using standard mythological figures, the old man as the advisor. What he made me think of is the uh, Japanese swordmaster. Well, there's something mythological, too, isn't there, in the sense that the hero is helped by this stranger who shows up and gives him some instrument, a sword or a sheaf of yeah, light, shaft of light. He gives him not only a physical instrument, but a psychological commitment and a psychological center. This time, let go your conscious self and act on instinct. There you go. Joseph Campbell giving you a little little piece of his That was philosophy. him? That, that was, was him speaking? Him. Yes, in the last two clips. And... Uh, uh, I, I think that's what puts icing on the cake. And, you know, yeah, the shoot 'em ups are fine and Flash Gordon's fine and all that. But let's face it, no one really knows Flash Gordon anymore. Let's face it. Why? It was great, fun entertainment, but that's all it was good versus evil. That's it. There's more to it than that, I think. And that's, I think, the, final, the bottom line also is uh, Joseph Campbell is known for saying, and the, the, the bottom line of the philosophy to boil it down is to live a good life, one that, that you're going to be happy living, follow your bliss, is what he used to say. And the bliss is this, this soul, this light that's inside of you, just like Luke, that's drawing you to a certain direction to do something, whether it's going to be successful monetarily or not, whether it's something that is accepted by uh, society in general or not, it, whatever it is, you're, you've been implanted with a... What if you never find it? Then, then, you're, then your bliss was the search itself. That's what was if wow. you if you accept that, accept the, the part of the bliss on what makes you happy is the search, not finding the search, not achieving the goal. You found the success. You're a lot life. smarter than I ever really thought you are. <laughs> I'll take that that's as a pretty compliment. Insightful. <laughs> no, I'm, that's that's really insightful. Well, and and a lot of that comes from. And I don't check- care what other people say about you. Also, they're, they're wrong, Doug. And they they're do, just wrong. They do say. They do say <laughs> a lot, a lot. Uh, and if you want to say, feel free to imitate uh, David and, and send the same type of message to me at everythingoldisnewagain.biz. We've got a spot there to send an email. Everythingoldisnewagain.biz. Next week, we take a look at Star Wars against Star Trek, which is the better franchise. What do you think? Star... Star Wars. That's all you let me Star say. Star Wars. I only have one nice. word left. That... You just gave me that one word. Come on back. 
that's going to be interesting because philosophy-wise, Star Wars only has seven movies to present one or two bits of philosophy. Star Trek has got like 726 hours of entertainment to introduce all kinds of stuff. Star Trek doesn't have the force. Or does it? Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to bow to your great knowledge. Well, let me here. ask you this. What if Star Wars or Star Trek, let's say the Enterprise went out and actually crossed into the Z quadrant where uh, Star Wars is and they both coexisted? What would happen then? Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just You're drifting just... off for a minute. Uh-huh. If Star Wars what? Say it again. We have 15 seconds. Quick, quick, quick. No, if Star Wars and Star Trek right. were in the same universe. Yes. Captain Kirk against Darth Vader. What would ah, happen? Ah, I see. Kirk would win. Darth Vader loses to everybody at some point, doesn't he? <laughs> it's true. We'll be back.